Hello, friends, and welcome. This is episode 68 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My name is Brent Axe. It is great to have you here. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're staying healthy. Hope you're social distancing, and maybe this podcast will be just yet another thing that will distract you from everything going on in life. We're all going to get through this together one way or the other, even without sports. It's been interesting doing sports content, you know, without actual sports to react to, but we're finding a way, including today's episode, a conversation with former Syracuse linebacker played in the National Football League with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the St. Louis Rams before they became the L.A. Rams. Cam Lynch, who played at Syracuse from 2011 to 2014 and played in a very interesting time for Syracuse football. A lot of transition in his time at Syracuse. They went from the Big East to the ACC. They went from Coach Marone to Coach Schaefer. He's got a perspective on his playing days, both at Syracuse in the National Football League, and how it prepared him for life after football. Cam is an entrepreneur. Cam is actively involved in the NFLPA. He counsels former players on what to do, including speaking at the NFL Combine recently about that transition and take advantage of your time as a pro athlete, but be thinking about life after sports. He's got a very interesting message, and I hope you stick around for it. It was great to catch up with him and hear that message. You can follow him on social media. Heartwork Media is his business. You can check out their website and everything that Cam Lynch is doing today. That conversation is coming up shortly. But it's been interesting with all the focus on the past recently. We don't have new sports to react to, so what we're doing is is we're looking back and getting a fresh perspective on things. Anniversaries have become big. Recently, when the Syracuse basketball anniversary of the national championship came around, we reflected on that, watching it on Facebook Live with Coach Beheim, with former players, with so many on social media at the same time, doing what sports does at the heart of it. It brings people together as a community, united with one cause, no matter what your background is, sports and belief in a particular team can bring people together. And we're all waiting for that again. And the frustration lies in not knowing the next game that we can go to. And even when we get clearance to go to that game, will we want to be surrounded by lots of people again? When will we feel comfortable in big crowds, in the community, pre-COVID-19? Post-COVID-19, maybe the world will be more virtual. Maybe we'll be watching our sports much more from home, online, and in the forum. We're having to do it now. Even through the craziness of COVID-19, something did feel normal recently, and that was Syracuse basketball fans reacting to the latest recruit that Syracuse missed out on. You want to divide a fan base? It's not politics. It's not religion. It's not even what we were just saying when we can get back to normal and get out of social distancing. Just bring up recruiting, and fans are going to go to one side of the fence or the other. The interesting case of Quincy Ballard came up recently. He is a former player at Henniger who, a month ago, didn't have a scholarship offer from a Division I college, which started picking up a lot of offers as of late. Ballard is a seven-foot prospect who looks like a player that could address some needs at Syracuse, even with Jesse Edwards, John Bullajock, and the emergence of Barama Sidibe at the end of last season, Syracuse is looking for an impact big man, somebody who can score in the paint and bring something to this team that they really haven't had consistently since Rakeem Christmas a few years back. They've been aggressive in the transfer market. Patrick Tappé chose Duke over Syracuse. The Orange put their name in the hat for Matt Harms, a prospect from Purdue, a seven foot three prospect, by the way, but he did not pick Syracuse. So Ballard came along, 
And just a week ago, Jim Beheim offered Ballard a scholarship. This past weekend, in a socially distanced press conference in his driveway, Ballard chose Florida State over Syracuse. Well, no harm, no foul, right? He's a player nobody had heard of even a week ago. Well, you don't know Syracuse fans because the usual critics were out for Jim Beheim, which led to the usual defenders coming out with Jim Beheim because they, quote, lost out on another player. There are certainly generalizations you can make about recruiting. You can look at rankings. You can look at stars. You can look at the last five years, where Syracuse has been at, and make that judgment. To me, you can't get too high or too low about any one recruit. Now, there are certain names that come along that are game changers, that can shift what your recruiting is going to be over a long period of time and not just another player that falls by the wayside. But the fact of the matter is you're going to miss much more than you're going to hit in the world of recruiting. It's like baseball. If you can be a 300 hitter, which means you hit the ball three out of ten times, I think you're doing okay. Syracuse is an interesting case right now. In the class of 2022, they have Dior Johnson, a player who is a top Five prospect in that class, a player that has spoken boldly about bringing other players with him and a player that if the NBA changes its one and done rule might not end up at Syracuse at all, which is kind of interesting to think about considering the Darius Baisley story of a couple years back, a top prospect that committed to Syracuse but never even played college basketball. He decided to pursue his NBA career a little earlier. Chance Westry is a top 25 prospect in that class as well, who indications are is leaning heavily towards Syracuse. If Syracuse gets commitments from and sees both Johnson and Westry on the floor in two years, well, that will satisfy what I like to call the stargazers, people that look at rankings, look at stars, look at the 247s and the rivals and the scouts and all the recruiting services in the world. And that's what they base Syracuse's success on in recruiting. The fact of the matter is Syracuse looks for a certain kind of player, particularly a longer kind of player, that can play in the 2-3 zone. There are highly rated players that came to Syracuse and left, and that is a concern. Jalen Carey was a top 50 prospect who didn't get to crack that starting backcourt and didn't see a future there getting on the floor behind Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim. So he has chosen to go elsewhere, putting his name in the transfer portal. Bryson Goodine was a top 100 prospect who spent one year at Syracuse before seeing the same writing on the wall and already has transferred to Providence. And when we talk about recruiting, you have to include the transfer portal in that conversation. It has been a major game changer in Syracuse and other schools, of course, being able to bring in players who not only can make an instant impact, but you're judging against other Division I talent. You're not basing it on potential. You're not basing it on the player you think they can be. You're basing it on the player they have been in college and how they fit their system. And let's not forget Syracuse brought in a transfer, Alan Griffin from Illinois, really looks like he can fill that Elijah Hughes hole. We just have to see when he can get on the court, if that's next season or the season after that. And there's another game changer coming down the road. The NCAA, at some point here in the next month or two, seems poised to get rid of the rule that requires transfers to sit for a year before they can get on the court. Everybody's seemingly going to get this one-time-only get-out-of-jail-free card where you can transfer anywhere and play right away. Once that rule is official, Syracuse is going to have a whole new crop of players to choose from. So it's not the traditional recruiting methods that you remember from even five or ten years ago. But Syracuse has stayed with the times, and I think that their track record when it comes to transfers, all you have to do is look at names like Elijah Hughes, Michael Benajay, Wes Johnson, 
in recent years shows that they can plug holes on a roster that on April 14th are concerning, but by the time the season rolls around, maybe will not be. And who knows what kind of season Syracuse basketball is going to have and what the world of sports will look like six months from now. Rudy Gobert testing positive and sports shutting down was only a month ago. And think how much has changed in that period of time. I hope change is for the better. I hope that we do have basketball. And I hope fans by then feel comfortable about getting back together in that sports community that they're a part of. But it was nice, even in the midst of the craziness and the uncertainty of COVID-19, to have Syracuse fans react as if nothing has changed at all. Let's hear from him. Former Syracuse linebacker played in the National Football League with the Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The NFL draft is coming up, looking back on his career and looking ahead as an entrepreneur. Cool message here from former Syracuse linebacker Cam Lynch. Hope you enjoy it. So, Cam, I think uh, we start with the question everybody gets asked these days, and that is, uh, how are you handling life in, in quarantine, social distancing, and, and dealing with, with life here in the coronavirus era? Well, it's familiar because of training camp, right? Football training camp is similar to what is what the world is going through now, where it's a few months and you can't do much, but be productive. I mean, what I kind of look at this is like, there's a few things that can happen. You can get better out of something like this, or hone a craft or learn something new, or you can get worse. So I think a lot of people are looking in uh, rather than looking out because we have to stay home when we can't be out. And I think it's time to uh, really kind of figure out who we are and, um, you know, be grateful for our family and other people around us and the things that we have, the blessings and how we can bless, think about how we can bless other people. So it, it's pretty cool right now what we're going through, but I would compare it to a, a training camp for football or a sport where you just can't go anywhere but hone your craft. That's a great point to make. In a training camp, you're usually kind of sequestered off in your own world, uh, honed in on football, and I think football is, is something that people are looking to for, uh, you know, nothing is going to be normal per se when we come out of this, but anything that feels normal at this time is something people look forward to. And the NFL draft is one of those things, and that's coming up next week, Cam. And as, as you kind of look at the NFL holding the draft, I know you're involved in the NFLPA a little bit here. I just kind of wonder what the feeling is about that. Should they be doing the draft as normal coming up next week? So the XFL, I think, set the tone for that. Really just everything virtual, everything. And I, I had some people that I know that worked at the NFL like, hey, this looks silly, right? The XFL, they go again. But uh, I had a chance to do color commentary for the NFL one and the XFL. And I played in the NFL, watched the XFL up close and had friends play in it. So Marco Thomas, Jay Bromley, and it was amazing. I think their thoughts of the draft and just their gameplay and the fan interaction, I mean, it was awesome. So I think uh, the XFL had a great idea, and the NFL is going to adopt that through NBC, ABC, and Fox and the major networks and keep the ball rolling. So it's kind of cool to see that shift and change after so many years of drafts and and live events. Now it's going to be virtual events where you can stay home and chill with your dog and your kids and your family and, and get big things done. Cam, you mentioned uh, your involvement in the XFL there. Unfortunately, a a casualty of this. They announced recently that they're entering bankruptcy, and it doesn't look like the league's going to come back in 2021. Coronavirus changed everything, of course, but 
before that took hold, the XFL looked like it was starting to build an audience. It looked like there was some quality football there. From your kind of up-close-and-personal view of it, where was this league going, of course, before coronavirus kind of stepped in and changed everything? Well, the XFL is going to the top. I mean, I think Forbes named it, started like a top 10 or top something uh, startup company. And I, for me, I started my own company being an entrepreneur now. And to see that the XFL was on that list and, that, and to have contracted and worked with that company, I mean, that's something I'm going to put on my resume. I mean, I, you know, Syracuse University as well, right, in addition to that. Um, you know, working for the XFL during this time, and it, it's kind of cool to be kind of cool to be a part of. And uh, I'm just super glad to have had a chance to do it. Cam, you mentioned your time at Syracuse, and I wanted to step back to that because when I look at your four years here, there's a word that that pops out to me, and that word is transition. You transitioned from the Big East to the ACC. You had a coaching transition from Coach Marone to Coach Schaefer. It just feels like things were constantly shaping and in flux. You had winning seasons, losing seasons, bowl seasons, non-bowl seasons. It feels like you kind of got ready for everything in your four years as a player. Yeah, well, I think just Syracuse and that experience has prepared me for a lot. I mean, just going there my freshman year, running sprints. I was speaking with Daniel Yabunum, and he he works uh, at the NFL now. Played at Syracuse with me, my best one of my best friends, and we were just speaking about how he was about 300 pounds. We're in the Carrier Dome, and there's no AC, and we're running sprints after a <laughs> summer practice. You know, so and we're just laughing about that, and just Coach Marone to then Scott Schaefer. I mean, there are so many changes so many different linebacker coaches that I've had. and uh, But it's really cool because it goes to show that you treat people great because the person that you're speaking to might be your boss one day or might be contracting you to do something one day. So I think it's really important to, like, uh, don't burn bridges and to really enjoy the people that you're around and working with. So I brought up the draft, Cam. You go into, you know, that year after the 2014 and you're getting ready for the NFL draft. You unfortunately didn't get drafted, but you really had to dig in and work to get to the National Football League. And you were able to do that even as somebody that didn't get picked. Take me back to that time, what you were thinking going into the draft, you don't get picked, and then have to work your way into the league as an undrafted free agent. What was that whole process like? Really, it's like now. (laughs) I mean, COVID-19 is going now and literally starting from somewhere and just building. Um, well, of course, with football, right, I've been playing since I was seven, so like, I had a start, but it's like walking onto a team and you're going through training camp. I mean, and the contact with the, with the outside world is limited. You're focused, you're honed in, and you're literally just stacking one great day after the next, after the next, because in the professional football league, it's different than corporate America, right? I had a chance to dip my toes when it comes to broadcast, being in front of the television and spent some time in front, also producing behind. And when I'm working with these different people across the world, they, we op, people operate differently, right? The military oper, operates similar to the NFL. I think that's why there's such a close comparison because there's something that's, that's expected of you right now at this time, from these hours to these hours, right? And the NFL, I mean, just being a rookie undrafted, those hours that mean a lot, like, they're amped up because I'm undrafted. I'm, I'm, I'm quote unquote, where they're the undrafted people that feel like 
you know, companies and teams can use them as pawns. So I think just the time that you put in as an undrafted person climbing up the ranks is so important. And um, like I said, it's kind of like times like now where it's you have a clean slate and uh, and if and if you have to produce. And so um, it, it was a, a quite an experience and it was a struggle, but it was a great struggle. And I think really. I think life and a lot of people's careers are, are built off of struggle. And the best part about the struggle is kind of coming out on top after struggling, right? Like four years in the NFL, undrafted. I mean, I'm six feet tall, so I'm not supposed to be there, quote unquote, right? But I, I fought my way through and it was, it was awesome. Cam, that all got you ready for what you're doing now. As you mentioned, uh, so many things. It's exciting to see what you're up to. But for those that don't know, tell me about what you're doing these days, about Heartwork Media and, and everything that you're involved in. Yeah, so homework media really producing and kind of everything. I mean, a small a small business when you're operating a small business. I mean, you're everything from the media and marketing to you know when it comes to your brand to payroll to contracts and legal things. I mean, there's insurance. I mean, there's so many things that go on. But really, producing content is. And telling stories is something that I enjoy, especially coming from a school in an area like Syracuse University. I mean, the weight that it carries, like playing sports and interning at a, like for example, at a place like Fox. I mean, there's Syracuse alum in there that um, that I never knew about, right? Playing sports, and I mean, we're everywhere, and it's pretty awesome to kind of learn this this field, this uh, field of media and growing this, especially with the background of Syracuse and just allowing that stuff to flow into my media company and uh, share my story with others as well. Tell me about the message you have for other players to keep an eye on things. As you said, learn about all this stuff. Maybe you didn't think you'd have to learn about insurance and small business and everything. And and, and tell me about how how you've been doing that and, and what that message is to those players. Yeah, so especially in regards to the draft, right? It's coming up. These young guys that had a chance to go to the combine, and for the young guys, really is I think numbers are really important, especially you know in sports. Number one, right? Because you don't have eleven guys on the field, and you have to the numbers are really important, and especially knowing the numbers that are your bank account. One, uh, the number uh, or however many, figure out how to. Um, master that right and so bank account one and then also two where is your money going right investments uh those things are really big and then also filling your cup outside of a football right that's that's your main uh way of source of income uh but also to knowing to fill your cup outside of that and to uh, increase your network right because for example for me the way i fill my cup and increase my network was media Right outside of football, I had multiple. No, I had multiple streams where football was my one, media was my two, investing was three, and there's. Uh, I'm just starting to realize how important uh, having multiple is um, in in life, and whether it be sport being one, and, and whatever else you want to do, family being two, three, four, or five. But having multiple is important, just so when times like this hit you're able to diversify, and that's really important. So as, as a young athlete coming up, being able to diversify and grow in numbers and when it comes to business, when it comes to life in person, because um, it's important. 
Cam, uh, it's it's noted on uh, your resume, which you've put right on your on your Twitter feed, which is great for people to see it and how to do it and, and maybe get advice to, to pursue things after football. But one thing that's noted there and is noted about you is you have been a, a captain, a team captain, not just in sports, but a team captain at, at every level that you've been at and whatever you seem to do. So how, how do you define being a captain? How do you define leadership? Really, I, and it's funny you say that. Every time I we speak now, I think like COVID nineteen literally consumes all of our conversation. It does, yeah. And it, it's it's wild that it's that way, but I think it's something that's different. It's a unicorn, really, that we haven't seen. And really, captains aren't cho- aren't chosen when the team is winning, right? Captains are chosen when the times are the most tough. When it's like, man, I don't know if I can do this, y'all, and like. The captain comes and says, yes, we can. Like, we can do this. And that's, like, this time now where some people are struggling, but it's now it's time for athletes or the captains or whoever it is, the women in the world or people who are these young kids to step up and be like, hey, like, I have this idea. Let's do this, right? Or, like, hey, here's my resume. Like, we all should be getting our resumes done. Or here's my portfolio or whatever it is, sharing, bartering, whatever it is, but – it's time for people to step up, whoever ha- whoever has these resources, whoever has the networks to help better other people's lives, but it's time for us to step up and be these leaders. And that's kind of what how I, what I've been and what I've been doing since I was seven, really. And I learned it from my dad because, you know, him being, um, you know, he was an athlete as well. Uh, he worked uh, for the government when it comes to uh, being a postal inspector. So, like, that's what he instilled, instilled in me at a young age, so I just kind of take that and apply it to my life now. Cam, I appreciate your message. I appreciate your time here today and and sharing it with us here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Continued luck and success to you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and let's catch up down the road, my friend. Brent, thank you again so much for having me on, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks for listening to Episode 68 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. They will come to you on demand on your time so you can listen when you want, including our conversation with former Syracuse star Elijah Hughes. That was Episode 67, the one right before this. He talks about his decision to throw his name into the NBA draft, how that process is going to work in the COVID-19 era, and looking back on a Syracuse career. Hope you can check that one out. Previous episodes of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Don't forget our Buffalo Bills podcast with Matt Perino and the Syracuse Football Podcast as well with Stephen Bailey. Just subscribe to Syracuse.com podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. My thanks to Cam Lynch for joining us on this episode. My thanks to you for listening. My name is Brent Dax. Stay safe, everyone. We'll talk to you next time.